This is John Doe from New York City. And I'm so embarrassed about listening to I Doubt It with Dalamore that I had to disguise my voice. Sorry about that. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the 237th installment of your favorite twice-weekly show filled with news and ridiculous comment. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your overexcited host, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, the lovely and talented and sick of the intensity, Brittany Page. What What's going on with the talking? I have no idea. Uh, I is just, it uh, the Olympics? Like the Olympic commentators getting to you? Or oh. what's, what's going on there? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I didn't... Uh, You're being influenced by something. Maybe I have a fever. I don't know. A fever? Yeah. Mm. A fever for some Olympics. <laughs> I, I knew that something was coming. I knew something was coming. Can I say, though, I mean, I am. I ran track in high school. I was uh, a lettered athlete in high school. Mm-hmm. I ran a sub 11 second 100 meter dash in high school. Impressive. I was, oh, yeah. I was good. It's a far <laughs> cry from what I am today, Brittany Page. But can I say one? I love when the Olympics come around. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. It is fun to watch. There is some shit that I hate about it, and that is, you know, like when I watch gymnastics, and I haven't up to this point, and probably will not watch the Olympics with anyone other than you. However, usually I'm with some buddies or whatever, and there's always that one person. There's always usually that one guy who. Every four years is a fucking expert at synchronized diving. <laughs> he knows all of the regulations. Right. The guy who knows everything about, oh, her legs came apart. No, that's a ter. Oh, no, that vault was terrible. It's like, dude, shut up. You don't, none of us know what's going on. Just enjoy it. Have a little nationalistic pride and shut the fuck up. Well, none of us know what's going on to the point uh, of the judges, right? To the level that the judges right, know right. what's going on. Especially in real time. But we can determine if something looked good or not, right? Yeah, well, that, that's... Well, it's like how American Idol is such a popular show. <laughs> millions and millions of people... Is that even a show anymore? I think it went off the air. Anyway, I think it's off the whatever, air. Whatever, The Voice or whatever. Whatever's popular now. Uh, people watch those shows. Not everybody knows how to sing or what a good voice is many times i can't tell if someone is on key or not well i mean it's similar to that oh that was a little pitchy oh i hear that run she went on well the run is what's called an arpeggio i'm gonna nerd out here for a second but it's the same kind of thing that's exactly what i'm talking about although i do take issue with you (laughs) comparing the olympics to a bunch of morons on american idol no, I'm not comparing the These Olympics. These are finely tuned athletes. How dare you? I'm... Representatives Come on, of the lo- United States of America, Listen, Brittany. a logical McGee. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not comparing Justin Guarlini to whatever his name is to Katie Ledecky, okay? I'm saying 
the viewers of the Olympics critiquing the moves are similar to viewers of those shows who who feel yes. they're experts okay. in analyzing yeah. singing and right, blah, blah, right. blah. Yeah, you get it. Well, it's like when you watch, you know, Law and Order. Right. Special Victims Unit. You're yeah. like, oh, that's not how you do a rape kit. Oh, my God. <laughs> they just, they blew it. <laughs> they do rape kits on that show? Well, special victims unit, isn't it sex crime? Well, they show like how the rape anyway. I don't know. I don't Whatever. watch that terrible TV. How? Oh, let me say this though, <laughs> and then we'll get off the Olympics. <laughs> how about this fucking idiot, Dope Solo, uh, Hope Solo? Ah, uh, fail flat. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that is terrible. This we lost the United States women's soccer team, national team, lost to Sweden. Fair and square. There was nothing nefarious going on. They just didn't have a good day. Apparently, Sweden played very defensively. And when we lost, Hope Solo, the the prior who, who has been arrested for, for domestic violence against her sister and nephew, who is always spouting off at the mouth, Listen, you're supposed to be at that level. You're supposed to be a competitor who can win well and, more importantly, lose well. Well, let's get to what she said because you haven't said what she said yet, well, right? I'm just very fired up. And I'm not even doing it as a joke. It pisses me off. I'm embarrassed as an American. We already have a bad reputation as being a bunch of fat, arrogant cunts around the world. And then all of a sudden, she just validates it for everyone else. She said, I thought that we played a courageous game. I thought we had many opportunities on goal. I think we showed a lot of heart. We came back from a goal down. I'm very proud of this team. But I also think we played a bunch of cowards. The best team did not win today. I strongly believe that. I think you saw American heart. You saw us give everything we had today. First of all, Hope Solo... The words courageous, Brittany, goddammit. The word courageous gets thrown around way too much and too easily in our society. There's nothing courageous about your game, about playing soccer. I've talked about this many times. It's the same thing I feel about every cop being called a hero, every fireman being called a hero. Well, Jesus, every Marine isn't a hero. I am not a hero just because I donned the uniform. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's just, and then even just to go into it, about how did they play like cowards? Hope Solo. I thought that the objective of the game of soccer and any other type of, of, of contest like that is the scoreboard at the end of the match. Well, so... Whoever was asking this question of her that garnered this response from her asked why cowards, why Sweden were cowards, why she called them cowards. She said Sweden dropped off. They didn't want to open play. They didn't want to pass the ball. They didn't want to play great soccer. It was a combative game, a physical game, exactly what they wanted and exactly what their game plan was. They dropped into a 50. They didn't try and press. They didn't want to open the game, blah, 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 blah. Well, all that means is they played defensively. And we weren't able to play the kind of soccer that we're really good at, which is open field uh, uh, offensive soccer. Offense. So 
they are saying that it's unlikely that she will receive an official International Olympic Committee sanction over her comments. So she likely will not be punished for this. She's a disgrace. And furthermore, and then we'll get off of this, congratulations, Sweden. Congrats. Yes, congrats to them. And also, I want to say that Hope Solo has tweeted about this. She tweeted her full statement, and it, it included the why were they cowards, an explanation of her statement. And she said that she's not great at losing. So that's something not, to work on. Not an excuse. Something to work on. Yeah. Well, apparently, I have something to work on, too, and that's my anger. <laughs> I think we all know that. Well, she's representing you and me. She's representing... Uh, look, I'm getting fired up again. She's representing America, and she should be held to a higher standard. Well, at least we have Katie Ledecky. Yeah, absolutely. Class, class, class. And kicking ass. <laughs> and kicking a lot of ass. All right, let's move on. We don't have any listener communication this week. Thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate it. If you would like to sound off to the show... 657-464-7609 or of course as always email a voice memo or a regular email to i doubt it at dollamore.com moving on to a little follow-up it is becoming a common mantra a common topic a common subject of discussion on the show the the problem between blue and black in this country, the divide in civility and communication and understanding and empathy between the police and black men predominantly in this country. Milwaukee last night was yet another example. Tensions running high with frightening scenes on the streets overnight. Protesters setting fire, confronting police officers. All of this coming after police shot an armed man who was running away from a traffic stop. ABC's Eva Pilgrim joins us with more. Morning, Eva. Good morning. A chaotic, violent scene overnight in Milwaukee after a man died in an officer-involved shooting. Several arrested. Buildings destroyed. This morning, we know the officer involved in that shooting is a six-year veteran of the force, and he was wearing a body camera. Overnight violence erupting in Milwaukee during a protest in response to a deadly officer-involved shooting. This is the police. Leave the area. Officers out in full riot gear. People panic, running for cover in the smoke-filled streets as the sound of gunshots ring out. As a community, we're not going to protect ourselves, but if we don't have anyone to protect us, then this is what you get. This police car destroyed. This car up in flames. This is the whole gas station. Says several buildings, including a gas station, an auto parts store, and a bank, are torched as hundreds of people flooded the streets Saturday night. If you love your son, if you love your daughter, get them home right now before more damage is done. Racial tension boiling over as the crowd protesting the death of an armed man shot and killed earlier that day. That man is a 23-year-old male from Milwaukee with a lengthy arrest record. The gun at the scene that we are recovering was stolen in a burglary along with 500 rounds of ammunition. According to police, the officer was chasing the suspect, ordering him to drop his weapon. When he did not comply, the officer fired several times, 
two bullets hitting the suspect in the chest and arm, killing him. No other way you can apprehend a person without having to shoot and kill him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand that at, at all in the community. One officer hospitalized after a brick was thrown through his window, striking him in the head. The mayor making that plea overnight to parents if their children were out to get them home and out of harm's way. And the body cam video, will that be released? We'll have to wait and see if that'll be released and when. All right, Eva, thank you so much. Well, this will be interesting to see what happens because the body camera, he was wearing one. We'll see if there was some kind of malfunction with it or if it doesn't get released. That will, it'll be interesting that we've got some lag time now to see how that pans out. But I would urge caution of people like me who are skeptical of the police. If you've listened to the show for any time at all, you know I am not a giant fan, well, of the government in general, but police particularly. I'm harder on police than I am many other occupations because they are in a position to, on a daily basis, violate people's you know precious civil rights and they're in a unique position to easily do so with no one really knowing but i would urge caution in this case because one we got a gun allegedly we've got a gun now there is certainly criticism and a conversation that could be had about whether or not you need to be shooting somebody as they're running away Uh, that seems questionable possibly problematic however the guy had a stolen gun and hundreds of rounds of ammunition that's a problem and him dying at the hands of police an armed robbery suspect who's fleeing with all of these elements at play that we know in my view does not rise to the level of burning down the goddamn town of burning civilian automobiles, of smashing cop cars, of lighting pharmacies and gas stations ablaze. It doesn't rise to the level. So I would urge caution about too quick to judgment, which I'm sure our loyal listener Cheyenne will be maybe shocked by and very well appreciative of. Well, and protesters burned six businesses, Ah. including the gas station. And that always bums me out. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, it's kind of like how bothered I am when theft occurs, right? Yeah, you are. Because you don't know what someone might be experiencing. And I think a lot of times people who are going to steal target certain people that maybe look a certain way or they target cars that look a certain way, like they're going to get something from it. And what if you burn down a business and it's all this person has? Right. It's, It's not some multinational conglomerate. It's a guy who's got a wife and three kids who owns the gas station, and that's all he's got. And he really, he struggles to, to make the payroll. He struggles to pay his bills. He may have a business, but he's not, you know, Donald goddamn Trump. And there's pictures that are coming out of the aftermath, and it looks like there's cars that were also burned up that weren't police cars. Yeah, oh yeah, like I said, civilian automobiles and burned. that is horrible what if the guy loses his job because he can't get to work now yeah i mean i the implications here it's so it's just tragic all around yeah 
It is a bummer. All right. Well, next up, a story near and dear to Britney's TV watching heart. Yes, making a murderer. Yeah, we uh we like many millions of Americans binged watched the shit out of that show yeah and of course i'm very cautious with any type of documentary type thing right we were very skeptical even at the end of it because it very much bothers me when people say to me oh have you checked out this link of this documentary because as soon (laughs) as i watched it i changed my whole mind about everything it blew my mind man yeah and i'm sitting there thinking (laughs) what what are you talking about you know you didn't like croft cross-reference that shit like nothing you know okay whatever why does it tickle me when you curse it really does so i mean i'm with you all the time and i hear your filthy fucking sailor mouth in real life right whenever i hear you curse in my headphones yeah while we're doing the show it's it's a whole new thing oh it's just it tickles me yeah so anyway making a murder yeah so a federal judge has overturned the murder conviction for brendan dassey who was convicted in the 2005 murder of Teresa hallback um if you watched the show he's the slow teenage kid right this is not surprising because really problematic stuff stuff occurred with his case yeah, absolutely I mean, alarming the right. way that they questioned him without his parent and all the other horrible shit that went on. And that is why the judge did this. In overturning his conviction, the judge cited the controversial interrogation tactics that were used against him. According to the judge, investigators repeatedly made false promises and did not provide an adult counsel to Dassey, who was then 17 and had a learning disability. Dassey's confession during this investigation was involuntary, the judge said. Involuntary, he said. So... Wow. This isn't just the documentary painting the case in a certain way. This is a federal judge. Right. Federal judge. Looking not some at fucking this case. Activist. Right. Looking at this case and saying, yeah, this is this is not a good situation. So what happens now? Well, prosecutors now have 90 days to decide whether or not to retry Dassey. If they do not, he will be freed from prison immediately. Wow. I am very curious to see what they do, what they choose to do here. If they're going to continue to retry in an effort to save face, or if they're going to, eh, too much public scrutiny. It's going to be a fucking madhouse because now there's international interest in this case. Yeah. Pretty interesting. I guess we'll see. All right. Moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, well... Although we do not have any new Patreon subscribers or PayPal supporters to announce right now, we do want to say kind of a message to our Patreon people that we are we have scheduled two separate, whether it be Google Hangout or Skype calls. We haven't decided that yet, but we have decided the dates and the times. So in between now and then, Brittany's getting ready to read them, in between now and then, make sure that you have both Skype 
and Google Hangouts ready to roll. Yeah, so we have two scheduled. One is Tuesday, August 16th. That's this coming Tuesday at 7 p.m. our time, Pacific Standard Time. And the second one is Saturday, August 20th at noon, our time, again, Pacific Standard Time. So Tuesday, August 16th and Saturday, August 20th. Which, yeah. one, which one works for you? So pick one of these dates and then make sure that you have either Skype or or Google Hangouts, because we're going to make this happen. So those are the dates. Those are the times. And we really, this will be, I was thinking about what exactly, what will this be? What Because we haven't done this in two years. Um, it's not going to be like an ask me anything. I guess it'll be, let's just have a group discussion. Talk about topics that you're interested in. I guess I guess maybe an ask me anything. I guess. Except we'll see what I, happens. I'm not required to fucking answer, you know everything <laughs> yeah i mean we'll just kind of roll with it and see what happens right yes so pick one of those times one of those dates i guess it's one of those dates and then the time is just static so awesome we look forward to that that's going to be great if you too would like to get in on this you'd like to support the show other than by listening you can go to dollamore.com slash patreon dollamore.com slash paypal and if you're not in a position to do that, hey, listen, that is okay. The show's always going to be free. But why don't you go over to iTunes and rate and review the show? That helps us a lot. And it also helps market the show through iTunes to new listeners to check us out. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it very, very much. You guys are awesome. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there's a guy, his name is Chuck Palladino. He is the New York co-chair for the Trump campaign. And he said some ridiculous things as a guest on the Imus in the Morning show, Don Imus's show, that was being guest hosted by a guy named Connell McShane. Listen here. Now, the criticism of Trump the last uh, couple of weeks has you know, been on some of the individual comments that he's made that he's gone too far in certain circumstances, whether it be uh, the Khan family or the Second Amendment remarks or whatever it that's, is. That's, that's gotcha stuff, okay? And in reality, I mean, you look at the Khan thing. It was a fabrication. They create the Democrats created it. All right? They mm -hmm. they uh, uh, they baited him into it. Right? Wouldn't uh, he have been better off not taking that bait? Yeah, but, but what's the big deal? We got well, it hurt him in the polls. I mean, it hurt him. It hurt him politically. He's trying to he's trying to become president. We've got an unindicted felon as his opponent, and you're talking about Khan, about him making a remark about this man. All right, I don't care if he's a gold star parent. He certainly doesn't deserve that title. Okay, if if he's uh, anti as anti American as he's he's illustrated in his speeches and in his discussion. I mean, if if he's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood or or uh, uh, supporting uh, the uh, you know the ISIS type of attitude against America, there's no reason for uh, Donald Trump to have to honor this man. Yeah, the thing the is, Carl uh, Carl Paladino's with us this morning. I, my question is, and like for example, last time I saw you quoted in the press, you had a quote, and maybe it's inaccurate. Uh, but you said that there's no doubt, quote unquote, according to the media outlets that reported on it, that President Obama is a Muslim. Now, I would assume you don't believe that. It's not true. But it doesn't isn't that kind of wait, stuff wait, unhelpful? Wait, 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 how do you know that's not true? Goddamn. That's not fair, Carl. 
that it's the, you formed a conclusion about a man because he's told you that he said no i'm not a muslim where do you oh, get all right that's all right no, we're not gonna have this really this is a ridiculous him. talk so the so there's no but doubt Connell, Connell, there's no doubt he is well how would you know that that is true Connell, this is the same guy who yesterday uh, deprived the American people of an investigation into uh, uh, Hillary Clinton's right. uh, foundation. Okay, that's fine, but that's different than saying there's no doubt he's a Muslim. My point is you guys you, you guys get off the track yeah, here. If it, if it acts like a duck, if it walks like a duck, and if it talks like a duck, it's a duck. This is a big guy in the Donald Trump infrastructure, in the campaign structure. This is a big guy. This is a man who ran for governor and lost to Andrew Cuomo. Not in primary, in the general election for the state of New York. He's a mouthpiece for Donald Trump, not only saying that, 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 that President Obama is, is a Muslim, and then he said, wow, you can't believe that. You're only saying that because he says he's, he's a Christian. Well, maybe Donald Trump's a secret Muslim. All we have to go on is what he says. I know he says he's a Christian. Maybe he's a Muslim, Brittany. I mean, if he is, uh, awesome. Who fucking cares? But this is the kind of bizarre vitriol, dog whistle bullshit that's coming out of the Trump campaign. What I think is disturbing about it is they're doing it for a reason, right? And that reason is... It's red meat. It works. Yeah. It works for his supporters. It is what his supporters want to hear because this is what they believe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the other thing is for him to say, dishonorably to say that the Khan family doesn't deserve that title, quote unquote. They don't deserve the title of gold star family, even though their hero son, their courageous son who died sacrificing his life for the men who served under him. Goddamn. It is deplorable. It is un-American. It is unpatriotic. It is disgusting. And Donald Trump should be the first one to stand up and dismiss this clown from whatever position he holds within the campaign. Well, Paul Manafort, the number one man under Trump in the Trump campaign, was on with JTAP, Jake Tapper from CNN, and was asked about this exact statement. The co-chairman of Donald Trump's New York campaign, Carl Palladino, said this week that Kazir Khan does not deserve to be called a gold star parent, even though his son died fighting for the U.S. in Iraq heroically because, in the words of your New York co-chair, Carl Palladino, uh, Mr. Khan supports this ISIS-type attitude against America. Medal of Honor recipient Dakota Meyer responded to Mr. Palladino saying, the Khans gave the ultimate sacrifice, their only son, to our nation in the war on terror to attack them and claim that they somehow don't deserve to be called gold star parents is a slap in the face to everyone who has ever served in the military. Do you think that by having Mr. Palladino continue to serve as your New York co-chair, you're dishonoring the military? All right. Well, let's pause there. What do you think, Brittany? Does Paul Manafort do the right, upstanding adult thing and and answer the question? Does he say, yeah, you know what? The Khan family deserves our honor and our respect as a nation 
for sacrificing their son. I'm going to go with a no on that one. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, look, I, 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 uh, I'll f- follow up on I'm not sure what he said. Uh, I hear you saying that. I know I am concerned that uh, the father of uh, the Pulse uh, Cabaret murderer who ki- killed a number of gays, gays in Florida two months ago was sitting in the VIP section of Hillary Clinton's uh, speech last week in Florida. That concerns me, wondering how he could get into that kind of speech. He's an avowed... Uh, uh, Islamic uh, 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 radical, and uh, that that concerns me. She's totally ignored that fact. All right, you didn't address the question at all, but that's all the time. Well, we I, have. I don't I don't know about the quote. <laughs> I don't know about the quote. I'd have to check into the situation. Uh, certainly, Mr. Trump has made it very clear that uh, he he recognizes the sacrifices of all Gold Star parents, uh, and he was he he empathized for that loss, uh, and he talked about the importance of. Uh, of having a policy that will reduce the risk of th- terrorist threats in America and in, around the world. Okay. And this week we'll be talking about that. Mr. Palladino, your New York co-chair is uh, attacking a Gold Star family, so you might want to look into that. Thank you so much. I really I, appreciate it. Thank so you, So there are numerous reasons to love Jake Tapper. Goddamn. Are you kidding me? He is awesome. Very awesome. And this illustrates why right yeah you didn't answer my question and then at the end there he informs him of what's going on and says oh you might want to look into that he could be more aggressive in my opinion um but amongst the reporters that we 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 talk about on the show so often the ones who are really in the thick of things in the mix he's doing about as good a job as any of them right sure right There, there i don't know that there's anybody who's hitting the campaign as hard with as many poignant questions as Jake Tapper. Right. So Jake Tapper gives him an opportunity to address this very serious issue. And instead, he chooses to talk about how the father of the Pulse nightclub shooting... No, he called it the cabaret. He called it the Pulse cabaret. (laughs) Hmm. All right. Life is a cabaret, old... (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I stepped on your dick there. Uh, You were saying he's asking him about... Or he deflects to the Pulse nightclub shooting, the father being behind Hillary Clinton. Right. So he is talking about something that doesn't matter at all, right? Right. Well, it's, it's adjacent. It's not really even adjacent. It's just a different topic. He's, he's diverting attention. It's jingling keys for the, the, the uneducated base that Donald Trump is, is, is relying upon for his support. It's just, it's repulsive that this is the campaign manager. There's only one guy higher than Paul Manafort in the campaign, and that's Donald Trump. It's actually the candidate. And he won't even do the honorable thing and stand up and say, yeah, that's uh, unacceptable. They still, a week and and change later, will not just say the Khan family deserves our our support. We apologize for what was said. We got caught up in the heat of the moment in the campaign. And we lost sight of what or whatever. They're not doing that. And this seems like an important quality in a president, right? Knowing your failings, yeah. Yeah, the ability to take responsibility for what you have said or what you have done and apologize for it. I realize... 
we need more politicians to step up and say, yeah, hey, God, fuck, I fucked up. Yeah. But I'm going to do better next time. And I think, listen, everybody's talking about the 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 establishment candidates and this, oh, he's a breakout. He's a, he's a non-insider kind of guy. The kind of candidate that would really resonate with me would be a, a, a person who says, yeah, you know, uh, I made a mistake. I was wrong about that. What's awesome about being a human being is you get to learn from your mistakes and be better going forward. That's the kind of politician that would resonate with me, not the Donald Trumps and the Hillary Clintons that never acknowledge. It sounded like you said Hillary Clinton. Like Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it just got run together. All right. I think that is what the idiots are calling her, by the way. Oh, I've seen. Uh, that's why I was bummed when you said that, because that's not at all <laughs> what I mean. I've seen Killery for prison on Twitter about a million times. Uh, well, I know because there's this uh, rumor going around that she's having anybody who threatens her position oh, toward yeah. the presidency killed. And right? Those people are fucking stupid. And, and I'm no fan of Hillary, well, but they're dumb. Well, something that's interesting to me is conservatives are criticizing her for this, right? When Donald Trump loves Vladimir Putin. Who actually kills journalists. Yeah. Who disagree. I mean, he's a scary character. Donald Trump praises the way that he does things. Yeah. People appreciate Donald Trump and his views. So why don't they appreciate this quality in Hillary Clinton? Isn't she just taking care of biz like Putin does? That is exactly it. If you respect Donald Trump, your new Fuhrer, and and Vladimir Putin so much, why are you not, if you really believe that about Hillary Clinton, and if you do, you're dumb. But if you do believe that, why are you not lauding praise and adulation upon her? Mm. Ugh. Well, listen, that was last week. That was all the stuff that was going on with the Khan family thing. There's a new controversy concerning something Donald Trump said, and it involves this continued trope about the only way that he will lose this election is if it is stolen from him. The only way we can lose, in my opinion, I really mean this, Pennsylvania, is if cheating goes on. I really believe it. Because I looked at Erie, and it was the same thing as this. And I've been all over the state, and I know the state well. I know the state well. But let me just tell you, I looked all over Pennsylvania, and I'm studying it. And we have some great people here, some great leaders here of the Republican Party. And they're very concerned about that. And that's the way we can lose the state. And we have to call up law enforcement, and we have to have the sheriffs and the police chiefs and everybody watching. Because if we get cheated out of this election, if we get cheated out of a win in Pennsylvania, which is such a vital state, especially when I know what's happening here, folks. I know she can't beat what's happening here. The only way they can beat it, in my opinion, and I mean this 100%, if in certain sections of the state, they cheat. Okay? So... What does the what is the polling currently saying about this? Well, it, according to Donald Trump, the polling must be that he's leading by 10 or 15 points. No, the latest polling shows for Quinnipiac in Pennsylvania, Clinton plus nine. 
Clinton plus nine. And in Pennsylvania, a Marist poll shows Clinton plus nine in the latest polling. Two major, very well-respected polls show Clinton almost at a double-digit advantage in the state of Pennsylvania. And Donald Trump, in his idiocy, has the gall, the temerity to say that the only way it'll be stolen is through fraud and illegal voting activity. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. It's disrespectful to our system. And I, listen, it, it's, it's gamesmanship, but it dishonors what we have built as a democracy over the course of 240 plus years of peaceful transfer of power. It is, listen, we are we are unique in the world that we have the longest standing democratic republic that we can pass power peacefully election after election from party to party to party with no problem. And he's trying to usurp that. And that's a problem. So Donald Trump also said, quote, oh, you better elect me, folks. I'll never speak to you again. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how badly I'll feel if I spend all that money, (laughs) all this energy, all of this time and I lost? I will never, ever forgive the people of Connecticut. I will never forgive the people of Florida and Pennsylvania and Ohio. But I love them anyway. We'll see. I think we're going to do very well. Uh, (laughs) Well, here's another clip from JTAP sitting with. Uh, Bakari Sellers, Jan Brewer, the former governor of Arizona, and Amanda Carpenter talking about this very issue with Donald Trump talking about being cheated if he loses Pennsylvania. He's down 10 points in the latest Q poll in Pennsylvania. How on earth is that a responsible thing to say? Well, uh, I I believe, uh, and I was the chief election officer of the state of Arizona for six years, so we know that the integrity of voting is very important, not only to Donald Trump, but to everyone. Everybody wants to know that their vote does count. And so we have uh, implemented all kinds of security uh, procedures, uh, poll watchers, uh, the certification of the equipment, the instructions, the, the, the all this yeah, you're not really that you go through. If I, if I may, just, <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, Governor, but if I may, this is a long list, a litany of Donald Trump denigrating our democracy. Um, he has no respect for the institutions of this country, and whether or not it's the judiciary and his attacks on Judge Curiel. Um, now he's, he's denigrating our democracy, the very root of our democracy, which are our elections. I have a very, very big problem with voter ID, which is you know, gone rampant in the Republican Party as they try to prevent black and brown people from voting and those seniors oh, from voting. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, that, uh, that is that, that is ridiculous. That is well, you don't have any. Imp- we have implemented voter ID in Arizona. It is working. In Arizona, it has Arizona had some of the perfect. worst primary elections of this cycle, and I think that everyone understands that. Because you had lines, especially in the Democratic primary, you had lines of four and five hours where people were not able to vote. But voter ID has been proven to disenfranchise older based people, on the and people are black and brown. And in regards to the to the numbers in the past, they 
put up the polling places. Well, how many is this? I want to get back to, to the issue about, about challenging the idea of Pennsylvania. If, if, if Mr. Trump loses Pennsylvania, it's only because it, it's rigged. Sure, and we saw Donald Trump use this kind of talking point through the primary process. Any state that he won, he, he overcame the rigged process by such overwhelming margins that he had to win by such a big thing. You know, where Ted Cruz won a state, the election was rigged. But here's a problem I see more largely with Donald Trump saying things like this. He's a provocateur without a point. If he was trying to say these elections may be rigged, we need voter ID laws, if there was some kind of turning point in that where he's going into a positive direction, you could see where he's going, that would be one thing. But he's just denigrating the process uh, that, in a way that he thinks will be advantageous to him and no one else. And in case you don't know, Amanda Carpenter is a conservative Republican. Right. She's not some liberal Democrat who's just shitting on Donald Trump. That's a conservative lady right there. She worked for Ted Cruz on the Ted Cruz campaign. Right. Donald Trump, though, is not just being helped by these types of people in the media, by talking heads, by surrogates, by former governors of Arizona. Donald Trump is being helped by conservative media figures. And there's a guy over at CNN for whom I have what is growing to be deep abiding love. And that's Brian Stelter, who hosts Reliable Sources on Sundays. And he did a piece this last weekend about how the media, conservative media, is being unpatriotic by not holding Trump to account. Voices who are trusted by Republicans, trusted by Trump's base, should be the ones reassuring people about the integrity of the voting system. So is that happening? No. Conservative media is helping Trump spread doubts without a shred of evidence. Here, let me show you how not to interview a candidate about something as serious as this. <laughs> this is Sean Hannity just handing Trump the mic. Watch. You said in a speech today you're afraid this election is going to be rigged. Explain. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been hearing about it for a long time. And I'm telling you, November 8th, we better be careful because that election is going to be rigged. And I hope the Republicans are watching closely or it's going to be taken away from us. All right, Mr. Trump, uh, thank you so much for being with us. That's it? If there were ever time to extend an interview, to challenge a candidate, that was the time. Don't feed me baloney about Hannity's show being only an hour long and that he might have run out of time. This interview was on tape. The producers should have kept it going. Hannity should have asked more questions. Interviewers, even the ones that support the person they're interviewing, have an obligation to probe further and push back when a candidate says something dangerous. And this is dangerous. Suggesting an election is going to be stolen? This third world dictatorship stuff. Now, maybe Trump's just making excuses for an eventual loss. But here's where the media's role comes in. Journalists cannot just play these sound bites, quote these claims, and then move on to the next subject. We can't just let it seep into the discourse like it's normal. We have to stop and fact check and contextualize. I think the Washington Post did a good job here. The headline says, Trump is wrong, rigging an election is almost impossible. And the New York Times has a helpful Q&A this week explaining that voter fraud sometimes happens, but it's rare, and the reports of misconduct are often overstated in the press. Again, the conservative media is vital here, but Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity both failed their audiences this week. Uh, both men interviewed Trump. Uh, in both cases, Trump suggested there was something fishy about the voting in 2012. And then later in the week, uh, Hannity picked up the ball and ran with it blindly. 
Here's an interesting statistic. The Philly Inquirer, one week after the 2012 election, pointed out that in 59 separate precincts in inner city Philadelphia, that Mitt Romney did not get a single vote, not one. And according to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, there were nine precincts in Cleveland alone. Again, not a single Romney vote, not one. Now, maybe I'm conspiratorial. Okay, let's let's pause it right there. Yes, Hannity, you are being conspiratorial. A Google search would show that there are also precincts in other states, like in Utah, where Obama did not get a single vote. Hannity's not a journalist, but he has a megaphone, and he's using his megaphone irresponsibly. If a Democratic candidate were saying this stuff, saying the election could be rigged, then every word of this essay would apply to him or her. But right now, it's the Republican candidate for president who is trying to delegitimize our democratic process without proof. It is unpatriotic for any interviewer or any journalist to help him. I'm out of time here. I'll see you next week. Brian Stelter's the boss. Yeah, it's awesome. Brian Stelter needs more time on CNN than one hour a week. Well, and people definitely need to be reminded that Hannity is not a journalist, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think people on, on both sides, right? Because liberals look at Fox News and they say, oh, that's not news. And they do have news segments, right? But I think that the shows like Hannity and the O'Reilly Factor, those more opinion opinion commentary shows get conflated with the actual news segments, well, right? Well, listen, that, that's a good point. I actually, when I first heard Brian Stelter say this, I disagreed. And I said, well, it's not really Hannity's role. But upon further reflection, I really agree with him that Hannity does have an obligation as an American to find the truth, to not just prop up this maniac and his candidacy. Yeah, I I find it kind of funny that you disagreed at first because I get angry when regular people on Facebook share misinformation. <laughs> Because I feel that even regular people on Facebook right, right. have an obligation not to spread misinformation. Yeah. Even just regular people that you went to high school with should not be sharing misinformation that can easily be proven false with a Google search before sharing. Do you hear that, high school friends of Brittany? <laughs> Quit being so goddamn dumb. Oh, they know. <laughs> <laughs> but but Hannity, even though he's not a journalist, like Brian Stelter said, he has a big megaphone. Oh, yeah. A giant, giant megaphone to go with his head. And he... Oh, you <laughs> beat me to it. God damn it, Brittany. And he... Seriously, if you were to try to match, like, to look at different size heads... <laughs> And be like, what size megaphone should I match with each size head? Uh And look, this is coming from a guy who who, I've got an an astronomical sized melon. I'm a big headed guy. His head makes me look like a little Zika baby. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's out of control. Okay. It's a giant megaphone that would be attached to his head. Yeah. Too far with the Zika baby? No, it's, well, maybe. (laughs) Um, We get what you mean. All right. Um, well, let's I, just move on. We'll yeah, move I don't on. remember what was happening. All right. So Trump, as we well know, is is really kind of a hard court press to try to court. Well, there's kind of too much court there, but to try to get the support of the evangelicals. Well, apparently it seems to be 
against any understanding or logic that, that I can apply to the situation, his courting of the evangelical seems to be working. And here with details from Pew Research is Brittany Page. Recent Pew Research Center studies find that while many GOP voters, especially regular churchgoers, were skeptical of Trump even as late as April 2016, well into the primary season, most are now ready to support him in the general election. Uh. An analysis of Republican and Republican-leaning registered voters at three points over a roughly five-month period shows that by April, Trump was the preferred nominee of just 34% of those who attend religious services weekly, including including 15% who had been steady supporters, meaning those who had consistently supported him across the three separate surveys in December 2015, March 2016, and April 2016. Right. Two-thirds of regular church-going Republicans were not supporting Trump for the GOP nomination, even in April. This includes 57% who were Trump skeptics, having not expressed support for Trump as the GOP nominee in any of the three surveys conducted across those months. Trump received much more support during the GOP primaries from Republicans who do not attend religious services every week. Half of this group was in Trump's corner by April, including 28% who had steadily supported him throughout the primaries. But while church-going Republicans were particularly skeptical of Trump during the primaries, they are firmly in his corner now that the general election campaign is underway. In a 2016 telephone survey, church-going GOP voters were as supportive of Trump in the general election as Republicans who attend religious services less than once a week. Nearly 9 in 10 GOP-registered voters who attend religious services weekly say they would vote for Trump over Clinton if the election were held today, including 40% who say they would strongly support Trump in the general election. Among GOP voters who attend less regularly, 84% say they would back Trump if the election were today, including 41% who support him strongly. And he continues to push for their support because I think they're I think they're hanging up their coat on the hope that it will carry them through to the presidency. This is their only card that they have to pull. Because even amongst the, the evangelicals, they still lack in women because of his misogynistic tendencies continuously. Here he is at the Republican National Convention continuing to try to woo evangelicals. I would like to thank the evangelical and religious community because I'll tell you what, the support that they've given me, and I'm not sure I totally deserve it, <laughs> has been so amazing and has had such a big reason for me being here tonight. True. So true. Believe me. Believe me. They have much to contribute to our politics, yet our laws prevent you from speaking your minds from your own pulpits. An amendment pushed by Lyndon Johnson many years ago 
threatens religious institutions with the loss of their tax-exempt status if they openly advocate their political views. Their voice has been taken away. I am going to work very hard to repeal that language and to protect free speech for all Americans. So there we have it. Donald Trump, early on, setting the tone, creating the agenda that he is going to repeal what is known as the Johnson Amendment. Which refers to a change in the U.S. tax code made in 1954, which prohibited tax-exempt organizations from endorsing or opposing political candidates. So this isn't just ministers. This isn't just pastors. This isn't just Christians. This isn't just churches. Anyone with a 50C3 status, which is a tax-exempt charitable status, if you're not fucking paying taxes, you don't get to endorse You don't get to oppose political candidates. Well, just this last week, Donald Trump continued this trope, trying to drum up more support from the evangelical Christian community, talking to an event called Pews and Pastors. He said many things. Here is about a three-minute segment, and he tends to ramble, so I, I... I condensed about 15 minutes into about three minutes. So there's going to be times where you hear him talking and then it fades and then you hear him talking and then you'll get the picture. Ultimately, what I'm saying is I did a lot of hard work for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Tremendous power from these people. They were tremendously powerful people. Their personalities, their speech, uh, they would speak so beautifully. I'm used to hearing real estate people in New York. All of the people would go around the room. And they're very religious people. They're believers. They believe so much in religious liberty, as I do, very much. Because without religious liberty, you don't have liberty. Okay, you don't have liberty. And and some of these pastors and ministers and in both cases the rabbis they have tremendous tremendous followings and tremendous congregations and we had one meeting where probably the third one because the biggest people the biggest people and I could see this love for Donald Trump we want you to win Mr. Trump we want you to win And so I said, well, pray for me. And they had no problem with that. They did that immediately. They formed a circle. We grabbed. Everything was beautiful. Pray for me. But then I said, I hope you can get out there and really support me and fight for me and endorse me and all of those political things. And I saw there was like a a silence in the room. Silence. And I said, what's this? What is going on? Why is there silence? Why? Where's, where was the enthusiasm? I mean, I could see they really like me. They know I get it. I won with the evangelicals in the primary. 
I mean, I would go into a state. So I'm in the room with many of the pastors and some ministers. And they're going like, well, we can't really do that. I said, why? Why? Why can't you do that? I don't understand. I know you like me. Why aren't you endorsing me? Well, we just can't. I said, why? These were strong men. All of a sudden, they're saying, and women, women, but they're strong people. uh, And they said, we can't do it. I said, why? And they didn't want to tell me. And it wasn't that they didn't want to tell me. It's almost like they got used to this thing around their neck and eyes. Hmm? And it's almost like they couldn't see. And I said, why? And after a lot of prodding, they said, well, we don't want to lose our tax-exempt status. I said, what does that have to do with your tax-exempt status? Not knowing. And it basically has to do with the 501c3 status, that they can't get involved from the standpoint of, essentially, freedom of speech. So you have these powerful people with a great voice. You know that Christianity and everything we're talking about today has had a very, very tough time. Very tough time. You know, uh, Christianity and everything we're talking about today, just generally, he wants to be such a champion for the First Amendment, which is the freedom of speech, is the First Amendment of uh, of the United States Constitution. In this way, he wants to be. But in other ways... Not so much. Right. Today, he sent out a tweet, which is just great. And it says, (laughs) it is not. Wait, wait, wait. Why is it that I think that it's not that great, Brittany? Well, come on. When has Donald Trump ever tweeted something that's great? Actually great. Believe me. Right. It's going to be great. So he said, it is not, quote unquote, (laughs) freedom of the press when newspapers and others are allowed to say and write whatever they want, even if it's completely false. Wait, wait. I want you to read that one more time. This is Donald Trump saying what? It is not, quote unquote, freedom of the press when newspapers and others are allowed to say and write whatever they want, even if it's completely false. Actually, Mr. Donald Trump, that is precisely what the First Amendment's protection of the freedom of speech is. I know you might be wondering, is this the Donald Trump who talked about that National Enquirer story that accused Ted Cruz's dad of being involved in the JFK killing. What is that the same Donald Trump? Same one. And also talking about something that's not true that is a fucking lie. Interesting. Yeah, but interesting. His, weird how he wants his first amendment right to free speech protected in that case, but uh, the media if they say something with which he disagrees, huh? Well, that's not their right. See, that's what's called fascism. That is what's called authoritarianism. He wants it for him, but not those who oppose him. Donald Trump, it's a bummer. You know, he has called the media, quote unquote, the lowest form of life. Yes. Pointing them out at his rallies, saying they are the lowest form of humanity. He has created such an uproar, whipping his audiences into such a frenzy that Katie Tour, the NBC reporter covering his campaign, has had to be 
escorted by Secret Service to her car at the end of a rally because they feared for her safety. He is a dangerous man. He is not fit to be president of the United States. To sum all this up, this is a quote from Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black. Not currently on the court. This is a long time ago. (laughs) Legendary court member. And he said, quote, the government's power to censor the press was abolished so that the press would remain forever free to censure the government. The press was protected so that it could bear the secrets of government and inform the people. That is awesome. And succinct and poignant and really explains the freedom of the press. We shouldn't have contempt for the press. We should have admiration for the press, even when they're releasing details that we don't like, that we don't think should be revealed. It is a beautiful thing that we have in the United States that protects sources, that protects the media, that protects reporters, that protects our individual speech, not just Britney's and mine, to say whatever we want about our leaders in this country with a big giant megaphone that fits the size of my giant head. But you, sitting in your car, you with your headphones in, each of you have a right to say what you want to say that is protected by the Constitution of this United States of America, and it is a vital, important tool that was beautiful and impressive. Can I? It, no, it really was. I'm wow. I'm sitting here in awe of that. But no, can, you're not. I am. I see your face. I. It's a face of awe. Can Can I read just a little, a couple please, more lines from please, this? Okay. Please. I so, thought you were done. Well, yeah, well, whatever. Okay. So he goes on I'm to say. I'm trying to move on so we can shit on Hillary I know, Clinton. but this is great. Okay. Only a free and unrestrained press can effectively expose deception in government. And paramount among the responsibilities of a free press is the duty to prevent any part of the government from deceiving the people and sending them off to distant lands to die of foreign fevers and foreign shot and shell. Okay, but I like this line right here, that it is the responsibility of a free press to prevent any part of the government from deceiving the people. Yes. This is what's upsetting Donald Trump, is that they He's are... He's being stopped from deceiving the exactly, American people. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what is upsetting him. It, he is a totalitarian in the making, folks. It is important to spread the word to your friends and neighbors and family who may be on the fence. Those who are in the camp of Trump are probably a lost cause for this election. But if you have people you know who are on the fence, you need to talk to them about these details. I'm not saying to have them subscribe to the show because that would be (laughs) (laughs) self-serving. But God damn it. Talk to them. Inform them of this. These are very important things. And it's not too late to stop in its tracks and create one of the largest landslides in the history of American politics. It probably won't be like a Reagan-Mondale 1984 landslide. But Hillary Clinton could beat 
Donald Trump by a wide, wide electoral margin. And that is what we want to see. Not necessarily Hillary Clinton winning, but Donald Trump losing. Definitely. All right. I did want to shit on Hillary Clinton for about 15 minutes, but apparently Brittany wanted to read a bunch of Supreme Court justice quotes. That didn't take 15 minutes. (laughs) How dare you? So we are going to move on and we're going to wrap up the show right now. Taking care of biz. Republican Mayor Richard Berry. A Republican mayor is taking care of biz? Yes, of Albuquerque, New Mexico. So he came up with an idea after he saw a man standing on a street corner holding a sign that said, want a job, anything helps. Like like a homeless guy, like on the side of the road with a cardboard sign. Right, panhandling. Yeah. And he decided to create a program. It's called There's a Better Way. And he hires panhandlers for day jobs to... Not him, but the city of Albuquerque. Right, the program. (laughs) The program that he created. Right, right, right. I'm just, I'm giving you shit because you're, you're, you're stepping on my show today. Okay. Well, your show. Uh, No, our, I said our show. No, you didn't. (laughs) You didn't. I'm teasing. So the city of Albuquerque is paying... Uh, panhandlers, homeless guys, homeless women, um, to do jobs. To do day jobs, improving the city, beautifying the city. Here is Republican Mayor Richard Berry talking about the program. We go out twice a week and we will pick up people. We'll pay them $9 an hour. We'll ask them if they want a job for the day, if they want the dignity of work, if they would like to help keep their community clean, just like it's your community and my community. And uh, almost all the time they say yes. And uh, so far we have gone out uh, and we have paid people to, uh, to clean up uh, 128 city blocks. And we've picked up almost 50,000 pounds of trash and weeds. Wow. Think about what a tumbleweed weighs. And think about how many tumbleweeds it would take to fill up a 50,000 pounds. And, and so it, this is it's a big volume of work and so our solid waste folks will go out there with them and once again they get they get the uh, dignity of nine dollars an hour they get a lunch and then we have had so far of the 527 day jobs that have been created through this program a quarter of these folks that are working with us these panhandlers have opted to invest in themselves by taking services that father rusty and his team connect them with whether that's mental health services whether that's substance abuse services, uh, whatever it happens to be. 34 of these folks uh, have been connected with permanent employment. That means there's 34 people that were panhandling that now have a job because they got a chance on one day or two days to prove themselves and feel better about what they're doing. 84 of these folks have been connected with behavioral health and substance abuse services directly for those two things alone. And then eight of these individuals actually qualified for our permanent housing, either through Albuquerque Heading Home or one of our our other programs. And they were so chronically homeless that they have now been put into permanent housing. This is really, truly taking care of biz. I don't know what kind of a homeless situation the city of Albuquerque, New Mexico finds themselves. But what better way for the, the government to intervene and actually impact the lives positively? 
of that particular community. This is great. Yeah, I also like that in the article that the Washington Post wrote about this, they talk about how they talk about how most of the panhandlers you see aren't lazy, right? They are people who have just entered a spiral yeah. downward that they couldn't stop and that if you actually talk to them and, and say, hey, what happened here? That they'll explain to you that, you know, this happened or that happened. And it isn't because it's they... It's a hole that got drug, dug that's hard to crawl out of. Right. It isn't yeah. because they want to be there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so he's... he's Which is a common conservative trope. Right. Right. And he's, he's offering them a hand, a helping yeah. hand. Right? They can earn money and work toward... Permanent employment, permanent housing, medical care, mental health care. That is an awesome thing. And I'm not sure it said it in the clip, but more than 100 people have been connected to permanent employment. That's what he said. So this isn't just a temporary solution, right? It's not just a Band-Aid. It is connecting people with with real opportunities that they can have lasting improvements in their life. Also, I think it's great whenever someone who has the ability to do so goes out there and and connects with people, right? He he saw a panhandler one day, he went up and talked to him, and next thing you know, he's created this program that's making a real lasting change. It, it, that's poignant because I think oftentimes that human connection is what is missed. You just see someone and you make all kinds of judgments in your mind, but if you actually connect with them, You really find out what their story is. You know, he said in this Washington Post article that one man he talked to told him that no one had said a kind word to him in 25 years. Wow. God, that's that's sad. So he's changing these people's lives, right? Awesome. And it's really awesome and powerful. And hopefully this program can be an example for other states, cities to implement. Awesome. All right. Well, Richard Berry... Republican Richard Berry of Albuquerque, New Mexico, you are taking care of biz. That is great. We're going to leave you there, though. Next time, I promise we're going to talk about the 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 problem with the Hillary Clinton emails and the possible undue influence that has been taking place between the State Department and the Clinton Foundation. We've got all kinds to talk about it. But we went really long today. We appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for spending as much time as you do twice a week with I Doubt It with Dollamore. We love you. We appreciate you. Go check out Patreon. Go check out PayPal. If you're itching to spend some money on Amazon, go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. That'll redirect you. You can spend all the money there. And if you're going to spend your money anyway, why not choose us? We love you, we appreciate you, and we are doing a service for you, we hope. But until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Do you hear that, high school friends of Brittany? (laughs) Quit being so goddamn dumb. Oh, they know. (laughs) 